Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. The name of Jesus is greater than your brokenness. The name of Jesus is greater than your sickness. The name of Jesus is greater than your problem. The name of Jesus is bigger than your lack. The name of Jesus is stronger than any weakness that you might have. The name of Jesus is a name that is a firm foundation. You can build your life on this name. Come on, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Come on, he never gives up. He never runs out. He never runs dry. You can build your life on the name above all names. Hallelujah, I'm getting a little excited. Because when I think about how he picked me up, come on, I think about how my life was, how it used to be, how it was helpless and hopeless and beaten down and wanting to give up and wanting just to let go. And God said, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. I can reach down and I can pick you up and I can put your life on a firm foundation. That's why the name of Jesus is a rock. It's a stable rock. It's the it's the name above every other name, and you can build your life on this name. How many already get into the word today? Excited about what God is going to say to us today? Turn in your Bible as you're going there, uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 and verse 9. Thank you, brother. We're good. We're good. As you're turning there, I have a question to start off with you this morning. Um, how many of you in person online have ever asked, stopped to ask yourself, why do you do what you do? Like in certain situations, similar situations, you respond similarly every time you are in certain situations. I'll give you a couple situations. Your alarm goes off in the morning. How many of you, by show of hands, hit the snooze button? You the snooze, you the snooze. Got to get a little bit, got to roll into my day. How many of y'all um, don't hit the snooze button, but sometimes maybe you wake up even earlier than the alarm goes off, and you roll right out of bed. You're like a morning person. You're ready to go. You beat everybody to the office. You're the first person there, ready to go and ready to get things started, right? Y'all are annoying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we love you guys. We love you guys. Um, why do you do what you do? Maybe you're in a restaurant and you know you go to the restaurant but you're trying to eat healthy and so how many of you make healthy decisions and you order the salad like you know olive, you know olive oil and vinegar dressing you're you're eating healthy. How many of y'all make the right choice and maybe eat healthy at a restaurant? Good. The others of you, maybe you're like me and you order hamburger with french fries, a cherry Coke, you get the dessert afterwards, right? Right? Okay. Why do you do what you do? What, what about this last situation? How about with your, your finances? You know, without showing, show, showing your hands, um, but um, how many of you are faithful to bring God your tithe and your offering? You're trusting him. You know uh, that you are merely a steward. He's an owner of everything. You're just a steward and you see God's provision. You see God's faithfulness in your tithes and in your givings. And you even have leftover. You're able to make a difference in the world with your giving. Or maybe some of you, um, 
you know, you have an unhealthy relationship with Amazon Prime, and you're, <laughs> and you're spending all your money each and every week like many people do, and you rarely have money left over to give. Why is it, I want to ask you again this morning, if you stopped and asked to ask yourself before, why is it that you do what you do? There's some secondary reasons why we do what we do, and I was thinking about these. Sometimes you do what you do because you feel obligated to do it. Um, sometimes, you know, we want to be a good mom, we want to be a good dad, we want to be a good friend, a good neighbor, a coworker, right? We want to uh, be faithful to God, and so we, we have this sense of obligation to do what we do. Sometimes we feel obligated, and that's a, that's a motivation. Uh, sometimes we want to do what we do, um, and so, you know, whether you want to um, be healthy or you want to make the right decision or you want to show love in a given situation, you want to do what you do, and so that's a motivation to do what you do. Um, some of us uh, sometimes, and many of us could probably relate to this, we do what we do because we want to be liked, and that's why we have to get the selfie at the right angle and we have to take the picture five, six, seven times. We have to put the filter on there. Everything's got to be just right because when we post it, we want people to believe what we want them to think about ourselves. And so oftentimes we do what we do because we want to be liked. And some of us, you know, we, you know, don't give a rip. And uh, you don't, you know, so y'all, y'all know who you are. Those of you that are in here do know who you are, right? But, but many of us do what we do because, you know, we want to be liked or we feel obligated or because we want to do it. But I want to share with you this morning the biggest reason that you do what you do. And here it is. You do what you do because of what you think of you. I'm going to say it again. You do what you do because of what you think of you. I do not eat green eggs and ham, Sam, I am. Yeah, you do what you do because of what you think of you. I want to show you in the scripture this morning, share with you a passage in the scripture that is illustrating this point. Jesus is starting, beginning, inaugurating his ministry. We're going to look in Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. And I want to share this principle, this truth, this axiom, this uh, truth from the text today, and it's this. The path to changing what you do begins by changing what you think of you. Put it on the screen behind me here. The path to changing what you do begins by changing what you think of you. If you're taking notes, follow along with us on the Victory Church app this morning and you can fill those in. It's so true. And uh, to, do, uh, to change what you do, you have to change what you think of you. I want you to read with me, along with me, follow along with me in the book of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 9 this morning. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water... He saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit, the spirit, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. 
And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And was with him the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why do you do what you do? You do what you do because of what you think of you. And if you want to change what you do, you're going to have to change what you think of you. The title of the text this morning, the subject of my sermon, is simply this, the path of change. The path of change. Bow your heads uh, with me this morning and let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word and for the opportunity to gather around your word this morning and to hear the very word of God, the truth of the scriptures. Father, we thank you this morning for open hearts, open minds, open lives. Father, we haven't come here just to hear a sermon, but we've come here to hear from heaven. We haven't come here just to sing a song, but we've come here to be with you and to know what you would have us to do and how you would have us to live. Lord, as we enter into this moment, we pray, Lord, that we're not the same as we exit it today. Father, we ask, Lord, for life change. God, for those who have maybe even struggled or they feel like they're stuck or they feel like there's no way out, Father, today I pray that the truth of your word would reveal to each and every life what it is that you are saying that they can apply, Lord, as they leave this place to see their situation change. We thank you for what you are going to do. We give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So to change what you do, the first thing that I want you to recognize today, that for you to realize that you want to know today, is that to change what you do, you have to rediscover what God says about you. That's number two. You first have to reprioritize, listen to me, reprioritize first and foremost, who not do. If you want to change what you do, reprioritize who not do. Remember, you've got to change what you think today. And so in order to change what you do, you first have to change what you think. So you have to reprioritize who not do to experience real and lasting change. Don't prioritize outward results over inward change. Oftentimes, we prioritize the do. We prioritize you know, the change that we want to make, the thing that we want to see uh, make, uh, be different in our life, to the neglect of the thing that needs to transform us and take place in, on us on the inside. You see, thinking that behavior modification is going to result in transformation is faulty thinking. We have to reprioritize who, not do. I love this because in this passage today, uh, in Mark chapter 1, in verse 11, it says, A voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And then in verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. See, the Spirit came upon Jesus in great power when he was baptized, water baptized. He heard the voice of God from heaven, heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the scripture says that the Spirit of God led Jesus 
into the wilderness. We can find out more about this wilderness experience in the Gospel of, of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. But for now, I just want to remind you that Jesus is about changing us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is one who moves on the inside of us. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's the one who teaches us all things about Jesus. He convicts us of our sin. He does a work on the inside of our heart. And if you're going to change what you do, you first have to change what you think of you. That means prioritizing not do, but who. Reprioritize spiritual transformation and it will result in behavioral modification. If we just try to change on the outside, we will experience change maybe for a season, but it will not be lasting change. Lasting change comes from the inside and works its way on the outside through our behavior. When we come to Jesus and put our faith in him and then we are water baptized and we are led then by the spirit into a place of change, he is working on the inside of, of us to make us more like Jesus. But we have to prioritize not the things that we do in our own strength, but we have to yield ourselves to God and the word and worship and prayer. And when we do that, and when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he changes us from the inside out, not from the outside in. The fruit of the spirit will be seen in our life as we yield and give ourselves to spiritual transformation. The second thing that I want you to know if you want to change what you do, you have to rediscover what God says about you. Rediscover what God says about you. I'm going to say it again. Rediscover what God says about you. Who you are cannot be found by looking without who you really are cannot be found by looking within. Who you are can only really be found by looking to God. What does God say about you? There was a voice that came from heaven speaking about Jesus. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says this. As a person, as a man thinks of themselves, so are they. In other words, the things that you do will flow out of what you think about you. If you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. We make decisions based upon our identification, who we are. Who are you really? You see, because you could change your behavior for a season, but unless you adjust your understanding of your identity, you'll always fall back into the same behaviors because you have not changed who you really are. You have to discover who God says that you are. And this is difficult for us. Because we often look to other places, we often look to other people, we often look to society. We, we define ourselves by how much we have in the bank account, we define ourselves by what type of job we have. We let people define who we are based upon our past, what our parents said, what, what, you know, what our spouse, we, we allow ourselves to be defined by all these other external things when God is the one who is wanting to define who we really are. We have to discover who God says about us. So, the great king of the jungle, the lion, 
wanted to show his dominance of the animal kingdom. And so he went throughout the animal kingdom. He bypassed the lower animals of the kingdom, the lesser animals, and he went straight to the great bear. He went to the bear and he asked him, he said, who is the king of the jungle? Snarled, his, showed his teeth, and the great bear said, of course you are, lion. And the lion let out a great roar in approval. Next, he went to the tiger. He said, tiger, who is the king of the jungle? The tiger said, of course, everyone knows that you're the king of the jungle, lion. The lion goes, that's right. And his voice was, his roar was heard throughout the kingdom. Next, he went to the, to the elephant. This elephant stood six tons, looked down upon the lion. The lion came to him. Who is the king of the jungle once again? The elephant ignored him. And then suddenly, the elephant picks him up with his trunk, whirls him around ten times in the air, and slams him up against the tree. The lion's laid there, half disoriented, tries to get back up. The elephant runs over. So the, the, the elephant runs over to the lion, begins to stomp him and snuff him out, beats him down and dunks him into a nearby lake, throws him back up on the shore. The lion is sitting there, beaten, bruised, battered, bloody, staggers to his feet, disoriented, without hesitation, looks the elephant in the eye and says, look, just because you didn't know the answer doesn't mean you have to get nasty about it. <laughs> the point of my story is to tell you this. That lion knew who he was. He knew his value. He knew his identity. And so it didn't matter what beat him down. It didn't matter if he was bloodied, battered, wounded, seemingly beaten up. You can rise like the lion to fight another day, and it doesn't matter how much you've been beaten down, how much you've gone through. If you know what God says about you, you can rise up and be a conqueror, be a victor in Jesus' name, because God is with you. What does God say about you? God says about you that by faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. By faith in Jesus Christ, you are loved unconditionally. You are known fully. You are accepted freely. You're completely forgiven. You're intentionally chosen. You are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are the object of God's affection. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. You are the, you are not a, uh, you are the lender, not the borrower. You are the apple of God's eye. You're the object of God's affection. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Who are you? What has God said about you? So you can rise above any obstacle, any difficulty, any trauma, any, any, any problems because of what God says about you. There was, it's a stark contrast with the reality of how we see ourselves sometimes. I read this story about a man who was sick and he went to the doctor and he was in the, the doctor's office and the doctor came in and the doctor said, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong? And he says, you know, doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, you know, my, my eyes are, are, are heavy, I'm, I'm, you know, my, my, I have wrinkles on my face, 
Um, my, my belly's getting big. Um, I just, my eyes are bloodshot. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And the doctor said to him, he said, I don't know what's wrong with you either, but I can tell you one thing. You've got great eyesight. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have to be glad that God doesn't look at the way we look at us, the way we look at ourselves and the way that other people look at us. See, you can be broke down, busted, disgusted, struggling today, and God sees you still as his masterpiece. You might have been suffering for a long time today. I want to encourage somebody today that you can rise up in Jesus' name, armed with the understanding of what he has said about your life, and you can face any difficulty, any trial, any trouble, because Jesus is with you. And he defines who you are. He provides forgiveness and the power to change, which begins when you discover who you are from the inside out. So to change what you do, listen, this is a thought process. Reprioritize who not do. Reprioritize spiritual transformation, not behavior modification. To change what you do, rediscover what God says about you. And finally, to change what you do, reevaluate what matters to you. Reevaluate what matters to you. Verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and when he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now, after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is important to you? Reevaluate what matters to you. You see, what really matters to you must be what actually matters to God. Therefore, what you do has to be motivated by what matters to him. For God to bring about a change in you, he has to build character in you. You see, if you're wanting to make changes in your life, you're going to have to be willing to walk through some wildernesses. We don't talk about it here in this particular text, but like I said, if you went to the Matthew text, you would find more details. You see that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. You see, it was a time of temptation for the devil. The devil wanted to tempt Jesus to disobey God, to take the easy way out, to compromise. But Jesus, uh, the Spirit of God was leading Jesus into the wilderness to test him. And whenever there's a testing, there's always a promotion. So if you're going through a wilderness, if you're going through a time of isolation, if you're going through a time of rejection, if you're going through a time of desperation and of temptation, I want you to reevaluate what you see in the time of your wilderness, in the time of your trouble. Reevaluate what matters to you because God is developing character within you because what matters to God, he wants to become what matters most to you. It was a place, the wilderness of isolation, desperation, temptation, but it was a place of reevaluation, and ultimately it was a place, and it will be a place for you, of transformation. You see, the wilderness, it changes us. But we can know that Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are. 
yet he was without sin. You can overcome the temptation to compromise, to settle, to, to not be who God has called you to be and to do what he's called you to do. But we must go through a time of temptation. I want to share with you real quick, what are those temptations? What are those temptations that the enemy wants us to fall prey to so that we won't make the changes, see the changes in our life? I love it. It says here that in the scripture that the devil came to Jesus when he was in the wilderness, when he was in a place of loneliness, isolation, desperation. And he comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, The devil is not after your behavior. He's after your, who you are. He's after who God calls you. He's after what God has said about you. If you really are the son of God, Jesus, turn these stones into bread. In other words, he was saying to Jesus, you're out here all alone. You're starving. Does God really care about you? Does God really know where you are? God has abandoned you. You can't really trust in the Lord. And maybe you're in that place today. You're going through a wilderness. You're walking through trouble. You're going through difficulty. And you feel like God has left you and abandoned you all to yourself. And the enemy would want to come in and he'd want to tempt you. And he would want to lie to you and tell you that God does not care. That God is not concerned. That God does not love you any longer. You've done too much. You've wandered too far. You've gotten yourself into this situation and there's no way out. The enemy would want to come and lie to you. And he wants to tell you, look, there's no way out. What you need to begin to do, like he told Jesus, is fix it yourself. Rise up in your own strength. Perform this miracle in your own ability. Pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Make a way by your own power. And Jesus turned to the devil and he said to him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word. Every word, the word of God, when you're tempted, discover what God says through the word about you. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what the word says. And because Jesus had the empowerment of the spirit, he knew who he was and he knew what the word says. He could resist the temptation of the devil who would lie to him and cause him to question the goodness and the love of God. Then secondly, the next temptation comes and Satan brings Jesus up to the highest part of the temple in Jerusalem. And he says, if you are the son of God, once again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from this temple for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you that you won't be hurt. That temptation was about popularity. That temptation was about fame. That temptation was about pleasing others. Proving to others that what what I'm telling you is true of me. This is how I'm projecting myself to you. I want to impress you. Because if Jesus would have done that, 
he would have became famous all over Israel. He was not famous yet. This is the beginning of his ministry, and, and the temptation was there for popularity. To do a miracle in his own strength and his own ability. What kind of things are you doing in your own ability and your own, and, and your own power? What things do you do in order to receive appreciation, accolades, to impress others, to be popular with others? I want you to reevaluate today what matters to you. Because what matters to God must be what matters to you. And Jesus then said to him, it is written... Do not test the Lord your God. He was saying, don't put God to the test. I don't need to prove who I am to you. I know what God says about me. And so I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress someone more important to you than you. I'm trying to impress God. I'm trying to please God. And so finally, the devil took him. He took him to the highest mountain and he showed him the kingdoms of the world in his wilderness time of temptation. He takes him up there to the top of the world and he says, you see all of this, just bow down and worship me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. It's interesting that Satan as the God of this world, many people believe that because man forfeited his dominion gave the devil that type of authority. The enemy is still using people today in positions of power to influence the nation. But Jesus, in this temptation, this temptation was about bypassing the cross and receiving the crown. Here's what it means for you and I. For you and I, it means taking the easy way out. It means a life of comfortability. It means a life of compromise. It means a life of settling, of just a little, just a little bit, not going too extreme. Just a simple bow to comfortability and compromise. And Satan would give him the kingdoms of this world. But the reality is that Jesus had to go through the cross in order to receive the crown. And you and I have to go through the wilderness, through our trouble, through our, our crisis, in order to develop character. You see, the path to the crown always leads by the cross. Jesus said this, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. This is the call to be a follower of Jesus. It's not convenient, it's not easy, it's not comfortable. That's why he said you need to count the cost of what it means to follow me. Reevaluate what matters to you by understanding what matters to God is what's supposed to matter to me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.